Whether you're starting a game or starting your day, you need to pick a starting lineup and you're going to want the starter from Jack Black. Loaded with the superior skincare the pros love, Kings fans can get the starter for just $10, shipping included. Available exclusively at GetJackBlack.com with the code TEAMJB, the starter has four of Jack Black's best-selling skincare and shave products, plus a full-sized intense therapy lip balm, SPF 25. Here's to the winning combination for 2023, the LA Kings and the starter from Jack Black. $10 plus free shipping, available at GetJackBlack.com with the code TEAMJB, while supplies last. You're listening to an L.A. Kings podcast. For more episodes of this and every other Kings program, visit lakings.com slash podcast. Byfield at the right circle. Back out to Roy. Roy, another shot. Block. Score! Andre Kopitar! You're listening to All the Kings Men, the official podcast of the L.A. Kings. Picked up now by Kempe. Kempe to center. A shot at the empty net. And he scores! Hat-trick goal for Adrian Kempe. Now, here's your host, Jesse Cohen. Welcome back, Kings fans. I am Jesse Cohen. This is All the Kings Men. Ordinarily, we like to publish new episodes every Monday and Thursday morning. This coming week, however, is presenting some logistical challenges. Actually, I guess not this coming week, this current week. Uh, While you're listening to this, we've all been out of the office for a day or two, and we won't be back in the office until Tuesday, September 5th. For those of you plugged into any kind of online conversation regarding the Kings, you obviously know there's one big question out there, and trust me, as soon as we're able, we will address it. Until then, enjoy this final look back at the biggest questions of the offseason, and we'll talk to you either next Thursday, or if there's anything major to report this weekend, we will scramble and get you an episode on Monday morning. Enjoy the weekend, everybody. Go Kings, go. Join me today, Jared Schaffron. How are you doing today, Schaff? Doing great, Jesse. And featuring Zach Dooley. How are you doing today, Duels? Jesse, I'm doing great. Happy to be back here in El Segundo. So this episode we were planning on doing maybe a week or two later than it's falling now um, because it's the conclusion of our 10 biggest questions for the 2023 offseason. The offseason is not yet technically done. There are still a few items on this list that could theoretically change, but at this point I'm not expecting it. We haven't heard any rumblings. There's no reason to believe. So we're just going to go through the list real quick uh, and knock them out. Uh, Question number 10, will the Kings make any trades to acquire additional draft picks? They did not. Five picks. Five picks taken. They tried. They yeah. tried their best. They did try. They did not succeed. So Correct. they they took the made the picks. They went into the draft holding. Yeah. Uh, question number nine: Will the Kings sign any external free agents? They did. Cam Talbot, uh, David Riddick, Trevor Lewis, Derek England. No, not Derek England. Andreas England. <laughs> different, different. I've done that already altogether. a few times. So. <laughs> uh, I'm blanking on just Steven Santini. Is that Santini's first yes. name? All right. Joe Hicketts uh, and um, Mikhail Maltsev. Those were the external free agents sign. Did I leave anybody out? No, I think that's the full list. Um, obviously, a couple of bigger names there mm-hmm. um, that kind of fill, um, more likely to fill NHL roster spots. Also, some really solid depth uh, for the AHL level. Um, 
when we did these questions, we didn't know what that big move the Kings would make would be. Right. Would it be a signing? Would it be a trade? What would that big move be? Turned out to be a trade that really limited the how much the Kings could spend in free agency. So the common theme of all those players is cost efficient, right? None mm-hmm. of those guys make more than a million dollars base salary. Uh, several are more at the league minimum, which makes those players more appealing for call-ups or roster spots when the time comes. So very direct plan, I thought, from the Kings when it came to free agency, um, but they filled the spots that they needed to fill in doing so. And I think we'll probably see the bulk of the games played by those seven players, whatever it is, in Ontario. Yeah, for the most part, the goaltending is really the probably the most intriguing part of of that. And you know, Zach kind of mentioned. I think the Kings had their list, their guys that they were looking to get, and they were able to pick up two goaltenders. So um, obviously, you know, you've got three guys that that have some pretty good NHL experience that are going to try to factor into one of those two spots at the NHL level. And then whoever doesn't uh, stick initially for opening night, at least, will be uh, assigned to Ontario. But that's probably the most intriguing. Uh, from the free agent part of it is, is being able to bring over Cam Talbot, David Riddick, two guys who have been in the NHL who have some good experience. That's that's a really nice addition to your roster there. I think in a different year, too, that statement might not be as true. When right. the Kings would carry 23 players, you're probably seeing more of those guys mm-hmm. on the active roster on opening night. I do think there will be a few from that list. There'll like be at I, least you know, two. Trevor Lewis wasn't yeah. signed to play in Ontario, right? He was signed to to make the NHL club. Andreas Englund played 50 or so NHL games last year. And one of the two goalies will be And undoubtedly, yeah. right? So there's there's two right there. Um with, you know, the other goalie as well as Englund and even Mikhail Maltsev bringing some solid, you know, NHL experience from the last year. So I think in another year you might see say a Mikhail Maltsev in more of a position to make the team because they'd have that extra forward spot. Um having what the Kings will be a lesser than 23 man roster probably limits how many of those guys can really factor in, at least at the start of the year when everybody's fully healthy. And I do want to make one subtle uh, correction to, to something you said, Zach Um, Cam Talbot is only making a million dollars this year, but the structure of his contract is that if he plays 10 games, he gets a million dollar bonus, which will likely pay out next year. Base salary. Yes, that's true. Which is true. true, I think it is. Okay. Um, Yeah. And and depending on how the season ends, the if assuming Cam Talbot plays his ten games and assuming that the Kings maintain the general cap space that they have right now, the bulk of that uh, bone actually can you pay portions of a bonus or does the whole bonus have to roll over? Like let's say they finish the season with one hundred and twenty three thousand dollars in cap space. Yeah, is his bonus then eight hundred and 30, whatever the, I'm not great at math off the top of my head, but I honestly don't know the answer to that, but yeah. it's a good question. Um, I think you can. Okay. I think I'm sure you probably could d- defer some and pay sure. some, you know, yeah. sure he's getting could. his money either way. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's getting paid, but yeah. probably a good chance as things stand that there'll be some form of Cam Talbot's contract on next year's salary cap, whether or not he is back for a right. second year. I think in regards to some of these guys, we just discussed, you know, whether they're in Ontario Maybe one of the most intriguing things for this part of is, you know, is Mikhail Maltsev going to be a guy who's like a first call up mm-hmm. or is it going to be some of the prospects that we've been talking about? Some of the younger guys that that Kings fans have known that have been drafted and developed and the same thing on the back end. Right. Like there's plenty of players who have been signed. Kevin Connaughton was traded. You've got, you know, Steven Santini, who you mentioned, Jesse and Joe Hicketts. 
are those guys going to be the first option, or might it be somebody like Jacob Moverari or you know somebody who you know has been in the system, has been developed? Obviously, you know Jordan Spence and um, you know those guys on the right side. Kind of we've we've been over that, but will it be the younger guys that jump up and take that? Which I'm sure the the development staff would love to see that, or will it be some of these guys that were signed as depth players that that get those opportunities? Yeah, it remains to be seen. Obviously, but uh, I could see both coaching staffs having an impact on er, having a say on that decision, right? Like let's say Maltsev is having a dynamite season for Ontario and Alex Laferriere is also having a dynamite season. Maybe McClellan and Marco Sturm sit down and talk about, you know, which one, I don't know. Best part of that group too, there are a lot of different mm-hmm. ingredients, right? Like if yeah. you look at Joe Hicketts, Steven Santini, if you need one of those guys, they're very different players, right? Mm-hmm. Like Hicketts, is more of that puck mover at the AHL level. Santini, more of the stay-at-home guy. So it kind of depends. One shoots left, one shoots right. So it's like, what do you need at that time? Maltsev, Laferriere, that same equation kind of factors in. So I think that the Kings did a good job of using the space they had, bringing in players who could fill the same role but differently, uh, which provides the staff with options. And we all know that the roster on on opening night is not going to be what it is um, at the end of the, at the end of April, right? It's going to be different. There's going to be injuries, maneuvers, et cetera, that's going to impact and bring opportunities for other guys. This is a topic that could probably be introduced at two or three different places in the conversation later, but I'll just do it now. It wasn't one of the 10 questions, but it's a question that I have gotten a lot recently, Chef. I know Zach has too. And that question is, are the Kings going to sign any PTOs? Because we've seen a bunch of teams around the league signing players to PTOs. I'm not going to say no definitively because who knows. But just based on the conversation we're just having right now about all these players the Kings acquired at essentially league minimum, I just don't see a a need for the Kings to sign a player to a PTO. And even if there was one who wanted to, you know, let's say Nate Thompson hadn't retired um, and wanted to sign another PTO, like where does that guy even fit? In, Why in the would that guy chart? want to sign a PTO? Right. right? Like yeah. You're looking at the roster and you're like, I'm not sure if this is a great spot for me to stick, but... Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, at least as the roster is currently constructed, yeah, it doesn't seem like it makes a lot of sense. But you know what? All of a sudden, a couple guys get hurt, and things could change. But as as of what we know right now, if everyone is healthy coming into camp like we'd expect, then yeah, I don't I don't see that there's a lot of room. The only thing I think we will likely see is guys on Ontario deals who will come to camp with the Kings. So you're sure. you know, your Jacob Doties, your Charles Houdons, guys who will factor in in the preseason. Like we saw a lot of, of Doty last year during the preseason, which was awesome. He'll be there in a PTO. Same with, with Charles Houdon. He has the NHL experience, high-level AHL player. Like they'll factor in, especially, especially with, with this, this schedule. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, with, you know, the Kings will need those guys to play a few games early on. Guys who won't be in Australia, it'll be opportunities for younger players or guys on AHL deals like a Charles Houdon. He could play in a couple of these games earlier um, that maybe they wouldn't have had that opportunity in a non-Australia year. But, I mean, just to be clear, if we include eight players signed to AHL-only contracts, we're looking at six goalies throughout the organization, uh, 12 left-shot defensemen, six right-shot defensemen, and 28 forwards. So... Again, if you're looking for a PTO, that's a tough hill to climb. Uh, the reason I brought up the Cam Talbot thing was to sort of feed into the next question, which was, will Andre Kopitar, Victor Arvidsson, or Matt Roy sign contract extensions starting in the 2024-25 season? Now, this is one of those questions that is not yet done for the offseason. It's entirely possible that Arvidsson or Matt Roy 
could have an, you know could be announced as having signed an extension that would kick in next year. We haven't heard anything. I haven't heard anything about it. I don't know about you guys. Uh, Andre Kopitar, however, did he signed a two year, seven million dollar contract extension. Um, but again, that one million dollars that Cam Talbot will be making in bonuses if he plays ten games. That, in my mind, subtracts slightly from that cap space opened up in the first year of Andre Kopitar's extension. So, not that that matters or is important. The cap might go up. Who knows what's going to happen here? The cap will go up. Yeah, but just bear that. Whenever people say, oh, well, they've got, you know, $3 million in cap space opening up next year because of Andre Kopitar's, well, it's $2 million. Well, you never know. Cam Talbot's supposed to play those 10 games. Yes, that's true. And the Kings, you never know what the cap will look like come April, right? Yep, for sure. Just tossing it out there. But, uh, but an again, answer of yes to yeah. that question. Um, yeah. Back on topic, right? Yep. Andre Kopitar did extend. Um, and I think everyone was – I think it was funny is it came, I feel like, exactly where everyone thought it would. Where money-wise like, or where money in the wise, calendar? Money-wise. Okay. I feel like it time, – time-wise, I mean, everyone – it was obviously going to happen. Like yeah. everyone said it was going to happen on the record and you never hear – you never hear the player and the GM just say straight up, like, yeah, this is going to happen this summer, and it did. Mm-hmm. I feel like that was always kind of the number that was thrown out there. It was like $7 million or so, and it's a slight discount from what he's making this year, but still a solid number for a player who is still at a first-line level. I had heard some wildly low <laughs> Which was just guesses. <laughs> from people who understand what's going on, yeah. most people seem to have kind of fallen that like six, seven range yeah uh next question was how will the kings fill out the goaltending depth chart in the offseason at this point i think we're pretty much set um phoenix copley cam talbot david riddick eric portillo and then uh it's signed to ahl contracts jacob ingham and ryan bednard eric portillo will likely play in ontario after that i'm not confident about anything yeah i think that's about right i think like i said you know you're gonna have that battle for the nhl roster spots um really wish neither of them are set in stone could be really any combination i would say of those three players that we talked about and then whichever player theoretically assuming no injuries doesn't make that king's roster you're gonna have one guy trickle down to ontario for sure it seems like eric portillo would be another player that's ticketed for ontario although Having not played any pro games at all, it wouldn't be completely out of the question if he didn't show well in training camp that the rain could send him to Greenville. Again, just because he has no experience, uh, you never know what he's going to look like in camp. But you think, for the most part, he'd be in Ontario. I think the rain are safely you know, thinking they'll have him for at least one spot there. But there's no roster maximum for the rain either. So the rain could actually keep three goaltenders. If they want to keep Jacob Bingham or they want to keep Ryan Bednard, along with Portillo and maybe another goaltender, they could do that for a little while and and have Greenville sign someone to an ECHL contract. Um, So we're not really sure. But the one thing I will say is that both Jacob Ingham and and Ryan Bednard have played for the Greenville Swamp Rabbits. Um, Both of them are pretty comfortable with Greenville. I think, you know, for sure Ryan Bednard is a guy last year who was playing in another organization and Greenville traded for his ECHL rights to get him back there. So I think there's a good chance that he probably is at least starting the year in Greenville, assuming everybody's healthy. 
Um, and Jacob Bingham, a guy who didn't play at all last season due to an injury that he had in the rookie faceoff. So those two guys, you would think probably the most likely to end up starting in Greenville, but really kind of a lot of battles to, to see and a lot of preseason games for these guys to play. And you mentioned, Jesse, uh, you know, that there's six in the organization. And we talked with Zach about, you know, the guys who are going to be in Australia, those are going to take them out of some of these early preseason games and the, and the Kings are going to need some extra bodies. That's an opportunity for maybe a guy like Jacob Bingham to sneak on, you know, get a period of action maybe in a, in a preseason game, or at the very least the rain uh, hasn't been announced officially yet. Should be maybe even by the time this, this podcast uh, goes out, but the rain are going to have a couple preseason games as well. So there's going to be not only a lot of Kings preseason games, but some, but a couple rain preseason games. So there's going to be periods to be played that, that need to be filled. And, you know, these goaltenders are going to get an opportunity to, to battle for those spots. I mean, to your point about injuries though, Cam Talbot, David Riddick, and Jacob Ingham all missed some time last year with injuries. I'm not aware of Eric Portillo having any injuries or Ryan Bednard because I don't follow collegiate or ECHL hockey. But like that's three out of six that had injuries last year. It so, happens. Yeah. It definitely happens. get hurt. It's you know that's. I mean, you want to keep them healthy. Obviously, you're trying to do as many things as you can do if you're. Phoenix Copley, you're drinking all kinds of tea. I mean, everybody's <laughs> yeah, doing whatever you can. No to stay concerns healthy. there. No, he's good. <laughs> yeah. But I, I think. You know, to Shaft's point, I think he's very spot on with that analysis. And I think the wild card in the whole situation is probably Riddick, right? Because when the Kings signed Talbot early on day one of free agency, you're like, okay, there's the tandem, right? It's That's where the Kings opted to go. It's Cam Talbot with Phoenix Copley in one order or another. You expected a veteran third guy because you can't go in with Eric Portillo and another young guy in Ontario. Mm-hmm. I just don't think I expected it to be someone as accomplished as David Riddick, who was in the NHL All-Star game three years ago. Yeah. Guy who's played almost predominantly in the NHL in that span. Like that's a really solid if he's your third guy, that's a really solid third option. Like he's very accomplished for that role. Um, as now would be Copley or Talbot, if for whatever reason that's the way it goes. So there there will be, barring any injuries, an experienced guy with the young guy in Ontario. The Kings also have the utmost flexibility should they need to sign somebody else, whether it be to an AHL or an NHL deal. They can easily do that. They have plenty of room, and it wouldn't be an issue. So they've got the the two guys on the AHL deals um, who have more ECHL experience than AHL but are both, you know, have been at that level at the very least. And the Kings also have so much flexibility where if they needed to bring in another guy due to an injury crisis or something like that, they can easily do it. David Riddick is just turned 31 years old. His first two seasons in North America, he played 31 games in the AHL and one game in the NHL in his first season, 12 games in the AHL and 21 games in the NHL his second season. And then he hasn't played a game outside the NHL yeah. since then. Um, so the real question for me is how confident was he that he chose to come? Like presumably there are other teams that he could have signed with. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've heard from – Mark Yanetti this summer, right, talking about uh, goaltending moments in Kings history. I can't remember the goalie specifically. I want to say it was one of the goalies from Nashville when he was joining the league. The Kings went to acquire him. This is a while back. And looked at the depth chart and just said no and instructed his agent to, you know, tell the Kings no thank you. Um, So I think they maybe even wanted to draft him and – I want to say it might have been Saros. Anyway, it doesn't matter if you want to go back and listen to the episode. The point is goaltenders are aware of these sorts of things. Players players are smart, right? They know. I'm surprised you didn't bring this up, but really the risk in this situation is waivers. 
because yeah, sure. you know you have if you do have to send a guy like David Riddick on waivers. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of times we say ah waivers. It's not you mm-hmm. know don't get all worried about waivers because most likely yeah. guys won't get claimed. But you know as as Zach just said, this is a guy who was a former NHL All Star. So Goalie is the weird one, right? And it's the one the Kings tough. have lost. Well, I, was Clegg after Grosnick? I don't remember, but he was. He yeah. was okay. a different season, but yeah. but to that point, like. All it takes is an injury somewhere else yeah. to where the player you send down becomes a lot more appealing, and then maybe your waiver and you can argue wire shopping as well. Any of the three of the goalies could potentially be appealing for 100%. any team. Like, yeah, no matter how it shakes out for the Kings, and as we said, whoever the odd man out is, I mean that could be a very appealing guy. They're all on very low number contracts as far as salary goes. They all you know have had pretty good numbers over the course of their career, and even a guy like Phoenix Copley, if for some reason, I you know, obviously for for us, we would think that he would start with the Kings after how well he was last played last year. But if he's the odd guy out, how are you not another team looking at his numbers last year and saying, "Wow, we could pick this guy up"? I mean, this guy's mm-hmm. available. That'd be great. This will be a conversation when we do this exercise for training camp. But the question then becomes: When do you make your cuts? Do you get them early, trying to sneak people through, or do you wait and risk? Other for the Kings, it's got to be that they wait just because of the amount of preseason games they yeah, have. Yeah, I don't think yeah, they well, can, right? Yeah. They have to they wait. They have to wait. Like, they, yeah. they would, in this situation, you know, early, if you're talking forwards and defense, that's mm-hmm. a little bit different. But for a goalie, they just have too many games in the preseason. I, I think they're going to need all these guys. So next two questions, very easy to answer. Uh, number six, will the LA Kings re-sign Jonas Corposalo? They will not. Done and done. Uh, will the LA Kings re-sign Vladislav Gavrikov? Yes, they will. Two years, $5.875 million, no move clause. Bad journalism asking yes or no questions. <laughs> well, um, this is a podcast, not a journalism. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no this, is, this, is, uh, this is uh, commentary, not journalism. Commentary, there we go. <laughs> um, well, then we can make some commentary about Vladislav Gavrikov. Yeah. You know, who all the numbers say was an outstanding ad. For the LA Kings. Um, I feel like we've talked about this now several times, right? Mm-hmm. Between these different things, but proved to be a very good fit. In general, it's a high cap hit, but a low term, which makes it a much lower risk signing if you if you think anything was inflated from last year. Now it's it's a lot more manageable of a deal, even if the number probably comes in higher than it would have were it longer. Um, but it feels kind of like a win-win for player and team. And disbunks that narrative of, you know, he will test free agency that a lot of people seemed so adamant that he said, even though he didn't. Yep. And I got to say, at the beginning of the offseason, or whenever it was that they offered him that that extension uh, a little bit before free agency, I would have been staunchly in the, okay, Gavrikov and Roy, that's a pair, 82 games, assuming everybody's healthy. The more we get and the more free time I have to just dwell and think the more I'm looking at it going like, Oh, maybe they, you know, maybe they play around with it. Who knows? Maybe they try and strengthen, but I'm still, there's still that still like 60, 40. Yeah, absolutely. Gavrikov Robin Roy, but 95, five. All right. <laughs> 60, I think, 40. I don't know. I, I think <laughs> that's not, doesn't reflect reality. That reflects what happens to my opinions when you're, I have time you're reading to... <laughs> other people's thoughts too much. Well, and you're, I probably would have said, you know, ninety ten. Yeah. But yeah. I, when I you had Jim on here, and Jim, yeah, he kind of opened there. the door to some other opportunities. And mm-hmm. that, you know, when I hear Jim say something like that, I, you know, that that changes my opinion a little bit. And then I'm like, well, 
maybe they could. And maybe it's down to 80 20 now. Yeah. <laughs> now, what Jim said, if I recall, that was the one we were on, right? Uh, no, it was, was uh, a different or one. Maybe it was. Yeah. The one I recall. Yeah, when he was, was talking the, about Trevor. Well, you had him on Trevor Lewis. Trevor yeah, Lewis, yeah, yeah, yeah. but then it kind of. Was that yeah. the best situation for Brant Clark? Yes. Would be with, yeah. that, which, sure, right? Like that, that totally makes sense. But it's not the Brant Clark show, it's the LA Kings show. Correct. And it's about what's best for the LA Kings. And what the LA Kings have said is best for the LA Kings is that strong top four. So I'm going to adamantly say that until I'm wrong. You're probably right. And when I'm wrong, you can I, I you can throw salt in my Other people wounds. might, but I won't. That's fine. <laughs> That's a perfect transition, though, because the next question is, how will the Kings choose to fill out the defense? Uh, Dersey, Edler, and Walker move out. England, Connaughton, Hicketts, and Santini move in with players like Spence and Clark uh, and Muvarare not out or in, but having the opportunity to get more playing time. And Bjornfoot. You gotta yeah, and Bjornfoot too, yeah. Um, outside of that top four, Anderson, Dowdy, Gavrikov, and Roy, I am not going to pretend to have any idea what the defensive pairings will look like uh, on the bottom pair of the LA Kings or in Ontario. Probably fair. I think the, the betting leaders is probably Andreas Englund on the left, Brant Clark on the right, with Jordan Spence having some pretty good odds as well. Um, it certainly just, it seems like the Clark England duo is they enter with the lead. Now there's what nine preseason games, several days of practice. There's a lot of time to determine that roster. And there will obviously be a lot of, a lot of factors that go in. Those guys will have to earn these spots, but then there's a lot of strong candidates behind those guys who are eager to make the team. There's a Jacob Movarara, like Shaft said earlier, there's a veteran like Kevin Connaughton. There's the Hicketts Santini duo. There's a lot of guys. There's Toby Bjornfoot who played, what, 70 games two years ago. So a lot of guys who are right there, um, a lot of guys who would need waivers. So that doesn't make it easy to send anyone on the left down. It's just Clark and Spence who are exempt. So I think there are certainly jobs to be won and a lot of guys who unfortunately won't win them because there are only a couple available. Yeah, I am... Uh... Totally familiar with with the pros and cons arguments that are floating out there for guys like Andreas Englund, uh, Jacob Muvarari, Toby Bjornfoot, etc. I don't subscribe to the idea that any of them are more or less likely. Right? Like I am, I am equally persuaded by all arguments on this one, which is why I say going into this, I have no expectations, no idea. I know that there are a lot of people who desperately want Brant Clark to be the third pair. Um, right shot defenseman and then go on to win the Calder Trophy, although I can't think of a Calder Trophy winner who was playing on the third pair, although maybe it's happened. Um, But, I mean, I think Jordan Spence is great, and I would not be stunned to learn that Jordan Spence was more NHL-ready than Brant Clark. No disrespect to Brant Clark, but as you said about the uh, L.A. Kings show versus the Brant Clark show, this is the L.A. Kings show. And if Jordan Spence is you know, bringing 80% of the offensive creativity, you know, at a higher level of defensive responsibility, I'm not going to be, my jaw won't be on the floor if Jordan Spence starts the season. Not that, again, I don't think he will or won't. I'm just, I just wouldn't be at all surprised. It's an outcome, right? It's within the realm of possibilities because he's good. He's he's great. He's really good. But Brent Clark's also really good. And on the left side, like, it's not like if anyone was like, yeah, Toby Bjornfoot came in and had a hell of a camp and made the team, anyone would be like, blown away right like 
He played 70 games two years ago. Like yep. He has played over 100 games in the NHL. He's got the experience. Same with you know, Andreas Englund was on Colorado's back end last year. No one's going to be surprised if he has a, you know, a physical dominating camp and earns that spot. No one's going to be astounded if Jacob Movarara has a really nice camp. Like there's a lot of options who could have a good camp. That's why they have camp, right? It's to win these spots. It's not a video game where it's already predetermined. Like there will be ups and downs. Players will outperform others. And that's what will ultimately decide these final, what, five or so roster spots. Mm -hmm. I think what's great is, you know, you talk about this is the LA Kings show. And I think there's no one better that understands that than Todd McClellan. Like, he is going to have the team's best interest right away. And, yes, he wants to do right by these players. He's trying to develop those those younger guys as well in the process. But, you know, he knows better than anybody else what the makeup needs to be to win on any given night. And the flexibility, yeah, there's going to be some guys that are up and down between the NHL and AHL. Uh, or whoever whoever's in the lineup on a consistent basis. But you can trust that, as Zach said, you know that the lineup is going to change throughout the season. It's not going to be the same at the end of the year that it is earlier on in the year. But in the beginning of the year, it might be better for the Kings if it is one way, even though that could change completely. By the t- I mean, you yeah. use Bjornfoot as an example. Guy played 70 games two years ago, right? No playoff games. You know, when when the time came down to it, Jordan Spence was in the lineup. Jordan Spence wasn't even discussed to be yeah. in the NHL that at the beginning of that season. And he was in the lineup in the playoffs, not Toby Bjornfoot, who had 70 games. So I think that's what's great about this Kings coaching staff and, and the situation that they're in. They're here to win hockey games. They want to compete. They want to be as far, go as far as they can for this season. And they're not looking at anything else. And I think that that's going to decide who, who gets to play and what the lineup's going to be. And I actually should correct my list um, as I add this wrinkle. There's one more defenseman added to the mix that I had not thought of because he was drafted, not signed as a free agent. That's Jacob Dvorak, who signed an ELC. Long shot to make the team out of training camp, but not impossible. Six foot five, big guy, long reach. We've heard the debate between the uh, various authorities as to whether or not he's a good skater or not. Um, so, yeah, there's... That's what that's what training camps for. Certainly going to see him in preseason because, yeah. as we mentioned, you know there's going to be spots mm-hmm. to be had in the preseason, and it's going to be great to see him play in some NHL preseason games. Uh, don't always get to do that when you draft someone at the age of 18 in the second round, so it'll be really exciting to, to see him on the ice. And with the team going to Australia, I'm imagining we'll see everybody in a preseason game. There's going to be two or three games yeah. on U.S. soil that are going to have that group of guys we're talking about, right? Mm-hmm. Probably more of the back end because the guys on the front end will be likely in Australia. But you're going to have a group of guys who's going to play in those games. And there's going to be a couple who really stand out. And there are going to be guys who earn themselves a look with the big guys when they come back. You know it's going to happen. You don't know who it's going to be. But there's going to be guys who are going to have a a very strong showing in those first few preseason games. They're going to get kept around. And they're going to get a chance to skate with with the big guns and kind of see how they stack up in that group towards the back end of the camp. Question number three, which RFAs will the LA Kings choose to qualify and extend? It's a bit of a cheat because two of them, they didn't qualify, but they did extend. Um, Bjornfoot and Ward, if I have that correctly. And Jad. Oh, okay, so it was Bjornfoot and Jad, then they did extend. It was Anderson, Ward. Dolan, and Ward, actually. Oh, 
Did Bjorn get Bjorn Fett, Bjorn Fett did get qualified, okay. yeah. yeah. Well, all right. They brought back six of them. I was just there remembering <laughs> Jad for sure. Yeah, know. it was Bjorn Foot, uh, Jared Ward, Anderson, Ward, Dolan. I don't know that they... Taylor Ward signed they about... signed him before they... 30 minutes yeah. before oh, okay. qualifying offers, yeah. yeah. All right. I have my timeline wrong there. Then Tobias Bjorn Foot, Jared Anderson, Dolan, Akil Thomas, Tyler Madden, Samuel Fogamo, and Taylor Ward all return. Um, and again, I would expect two-thirds of them to factor into Ontario's plans more than the Kings' plans. Yeah, and, you know, that was a really hard decision for for a lot of those guys. And I'm we, sure. We went over uh, a lot of the guys, you know, on, on both sides, um, both here and on the rain check. But, you know, for the guys who are returning, you know, as you mentioned, a lot of them figuring in Ontario. Taylor Ward just had his first pro season last year. He's back for a second pro year. Akil Thomas missed most of the season, again, with an injury. Um, he's been in and out with injuries. But when he's been in, He's been pretty good. So the Kings, I think, you know, saw him do a lot of rehab, saw him work really hard here to get healthy, wanted him back. Tyler Madden, another guy who's been a top six player for Ontario, kind of starting to get closer to being a guy that you might be comfortable with having on an NHL roster. Not really there yet, but definitely had some strides and and played some big minutes last year for the rain. And then Bjornfoot, we just discussed, is clearly in the mix for for one of those top six defensive positions uh, on the back end. So definitely some some guys who have been around that people are familiar with that are taking that next step, and now they have more to prove this year. Well said. Yeah. Question number two, how will the Gabriel Velarde contract negotiation play out? Well, he was traded. Played out pretty smoothly. Yeah, not much of a negotiation. For yeah, it played out great for Winnipeg. Um, maybe the one thing to add in there is the wild worrying that you know, of reports of no deal being done in like June. Yeah. And it's like, okay, like Anderson and Jersey signed in September. Yeah. But you're worried about this in June, like pump the brakes, but wound up not mattering. No, it did not. And that brings us to our final question. How will the Kings forward core change during the off season? So moving out, Alex, I follow Gabriel Velarde, Rasmus Kupari coming in Hayden Hodgson, Mikel Maltsev, Trevor Lewis, Pierre-Luc Dubois. Pierre-Luc Dubois will obviously play a large role for the LA Kings. I think most... Kind of buried the lead there, huh? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the last, last guy. <laughs> um, I think we all assume Trevor Lewis will play in as many games as he's healthy for. Jim Fox said as much. Mm-hmm. I think we all... Again, I'm aware that there are people who maybe think otherwise, but I think that most of us believe he will. Mikhail Maltsev and Hayden Hodgson will get opportunities as they arise uh, based on uh, injuries and uh, performance. Alex Iafalo, Gabriel Velarde, and Rasmus Kupari being out is a pretty significant alteration to the identity of the roster. Right? That's a quarter of your forward core from last year. Three guys who played every playoff game they were healthy for, right? I know Gabe yeah. missed game one with injury, but I think they, those guys were regulars for sure. I mean, Velarde, Iafalo, regular top nine guys. And Kupari was on the fourth line for the bulk of the season. So I, I think that's the perfect way to put it, right? It's a new look. Mm-hmm. It's a new identity, a new way forward. It's The Kings aren't going to be likely a team that's got those younger skill guys on the fourth line. They're going to be a team that's a lot more loaded in the top nine. A team that's got 200 points down the middle in Kopitar, Dubois, Deneau. All three guys can play defensively. All three guys can be hard to play against. And they're going to have talented wingers on all three of those lines, however they choose to deploy them. Um, the top nine in terms of personnel looks pretty stable. And then you're going to have maybe a more traditional fourth line than they had in the past. It's going to be a Lewis and a Lazat and a Grundstrom 
than maybe when Lazad or Grunstrom was playing higher and it was Kupari and Kaliev and Fagimo and, and guys like that. It's going to be more of those traditional fourth-line players who kill penalties. Lazat, Grunstrom, Lewis, if that's what it turns out to be, all kill penalties. So that's three guys who can maybe spell some of the minutes from guys higher in the lineup. It's just going to be a different look. Um, it's going to be probably a little bit more imbalanced than we saw in years past, but it's just a different approach, um, and it's all centered around how Dubois fits in. And, you know, this is not – this, again, will come up in training camp and then when the regular season begins, but – the acquisition of Pierre-Luc Dubois could theoretically stabilize the acquisition of Kevin Fiala from the year before because last season Fiala was playing up and down the lineup, didn't necessarily have a stable set of partners. Taking away Gabriel Velarde, who he played very well with, and potentially pairing him with Kevin Fiala and whether it's Arthur Kaliev or Victor Arvidsson or Trevor Lewis or whoever it is, Right, that could be as a, an acquisition that exponentially improves another acquisition. And, you know, Austin Matthews signed a contract extension for, what, 13 point something or other. And all I could think of was, would I rather have one Austin Matthews or two Kevin Fialas? I mean, that's yeah. just a retort. Like, I don't know. But mm-hmm. if if Dubois, you know, improves Kevin Fiala's output by 10 to 15 points... And you remember, you know, Kevin, it's almost underrated from exit interviews, but did say, like, he'd like to have a stable line. Yeah. Like, he said it, it was a little hard on him to be that guy who was constantly moving and finding different pieces to play with, like, was a little bit tough on him. So maybe this is, like you said, that home for him is two two new guys, essentially, right? Kind of yeah. coming together to form their own top six line that makes it three top six lines, not two. And this is way oversimplifying it, but... You know, theoretically, I could see a world where Fiala, Dubois, and Kaliev all have games that complement each other and the style that they like to play. We know Moore, Deneau, and Arvidsson yeah. play well together. Mm-hmm. We know Byfield, Kopitar, and Kempe have played well together. You know, and, and if that doesn't work, then, you know, Arvidsson and Fiala have played well together. So, mm-hmm. I mean, and that top Cal- nine is yeah. full of options. Mm-hmm. That's, that's the best word for it, right? It's options. Yeah. And the Kings, it's less so like, who will be out of the top nine, but more like how do you arrange the top nine? Yeah. And that's kind of exciting. Yeah. Yeah. So there you go. That is uh, the offseason. Those are the 10 questions. Um, there's an outside possibility, again, that the Kings either acquire another free agent or extend uh, Roy or Arvidsson. But outside of that, questions asked and answered. Um, Labor Day is coming up. I hope everybody enjoys it and has a healthy and safe Labor Day, both of you guys and everybody listening. And uh, it's tough to say what the schedule for all the Kings men will look like between now and training camp because obviously there are looming stories that may be resolved between now and then. And I'm not being coy. I don't have any idea if they will or won't be. You're just prepared for all Yeah. yeah. <laughs> just, I'm aware. That's that, what a good podcast does. Yeah, I'm aware that those stories need to be resolved at some point. Uh, and uh, I'm sure... All of you know that, too. So, anyway, Jared Schaff. Yeah, Jared, Jared Schaff. Jared Schaff. Jared Schaff. Uh, Jared would not be the Zach. first time I've been called that. So. Thanks very much for joining me. Thanks, Jesse.